Hey, I'm Ben Ramos, and I get the privilege of serving here as the senior pastor. We are a church all about the authentic power of God coupled with sound theology because God's given us his inerrant, infallible word, and in it, he calls us to be people who are filled by his Holy Spirit, people who are empowered by his Holy Spirit, and people who are led by his Holy Spirit. As a local congregation, God's called us to help people take steps in their relationship with Jesus, to see them rise from death to life and glory to glory. I just want to thank you guys so much for joining us today. I truly pray and I hope that this message would be an encouragement to you and your life, that it would help you to recognize that the mission field is all around you and that it would help you to take steps in your relationship with Jesus. Be blessed. And so right now, as, um, as we just acknowledge your presence, I pray God that you would, you would teach would you teach each of us, speak to us on personal levels this morning, shape us, mold us as we would be pots in the hands of the potter, clay being shaped, being molded. Someone say, I want shape. I want shape. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Cool. That's good. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You know, I've got this uh, in my heart as we go into the message this morning. I was having a conversation. Well, I've had this conversation, conversation multiple times. Um, and it's the conversation of uh, making those note sheets for you. Um, when you come in, you have a full packet of notes that you can go through everything that I've got. And there's just something in me. Like, I, I think it's helpful sometimes. Um, but also at the same time, my response has been, well, people should know how to take notes. I provide note sheets. And then someone said this, Ben, did you teach them? Did you lead them in that? Oh, oh, got it. So in taking notes, in growing through a sermon, just some brief things before I actually jump in. Some brief things. Uh, Scriptures, write down scriptures. Titles, write down titles. Um, Yeah, any any bullet points that, uh, that I bring up. Write those down. And here's what I want to do. I don't want it just to be Ben telling you how to take notes, but I want all of us to help each other to take notes. Okay? So if you hear something and the Lord's speaking to you something, someone say, write that down. Write that down. That, that'll like be our thing for at least a season. Just say, write that down. Right? You hear a verse? Write that down. You hear a reference? Write that down. You feel the Lord prompting? Write that down. And then, I mean, you're going to bring it into the workplace and people are going to be like, what are you talking about? And just write it down. Write it down. Write it down. What do I do when I don't want to forget something? I write it down. I write it down. So get ready to write it down. Get ready to write it down. Um, this, this season, Jesus has asked us as a, as a church to step into some practical things as well as some teaching. Um, and he wants us to give focus to continuing to produce and reproduce uh, family atmosphere among here, this church body, as well as reaching the lost outside of these four walls. And so thus comes this message series entitled, Others! Write that down. Come on now. (laughs) Write that down. From love of me to love of thee, right? We are recognizing the love that I've received from Jesus, and now I want to represent it to the world around us, 
Right? This is essentially what we're doing. We're taking every blessing that we receive from Jesus and we are representing it to the world around us. Right? We are representatives of Jesus. Representatives represent it to the world around us. This is what we, we wanna be. We wanna do this with the love of Jesus. And as we were talking through this, we came to this revelation, or, or rather Ben came to this revelation, of as we're talking about like our church family, and as we're talking about um, the, the world around us, that involves people. And people can be messy. Someone said, eee. Yeah. That reminds me of, uh, what, Timon? Eee. Yeah. It, 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 it means that things are going to get messy a little bit because people, people are messy. People are kind of a mess. But here's also what we saw within Scripture that God calls us to be involved with the people. God calls us to be in relationship with people. God calls us not, not only just relationship, but he calls us to like intimate, close, deep relationship. This is the vision for, for this family, for, for our church. Like this is what we wanna be. I have this vision of like, uh, I want to be an example to my children Right? I want to be an example of someone who loves people, of someone who serves people. But what I also want is when they get to that point and they say, I don't really want to learn from mommy and daddy anymore. I want to be able to point to others around me and say, look, this is an example. This is an example. And in fact, this is something that was deeply embedded within Hebrew culture within biblical culture is having someone like a close family friend who they could look to and continue to point to. It's not just for the parents, but it's for the community. There's something truly essential about what we're doing here. And I want that for the future of our kids. Your kids too. Yeah, I, wanna, I want it for, for us all. So we began talking about some, um, some specific ways to do that, some specific ways that God has instructed us uh, to live this out and maybe even that we could enjoy life with people. Yeah, that, that would be cool. And so one of the things that we talked about, which is difficult with people last week was being judgy Christians, right? And we kind of walked this, this tightrope of, I want to be someone who judges. I want to be someone who judges the world around me according to the scriptures, the word of God to recognize righteousness from wrongness. Is that a word? Hey, come on. Someone say, write that down. That's right. Write that down. Put it in a dictionary. There's another one. Put it in a dictionary. Um, we ought to be people who would recognize the truth in the scriptures, apply it to life. We ought to do that through uh, conviction of the Holy Spirit. We ought to do that uh, through wise counsel and other people around us. We ought to do this as we're looking at the life around us. So let's just say that we've done that part, okay? We know the scriptures or we're continuing to grow in the scriptures. How's that? We're continuing to grow in our understanding of the scriptures of God's truth. We're now applying that to life circumstances. How does, how does this fit into the Bible? What does the Bible say about this? What does the Bible say about this? What does the word of God say about this? And then we're processing with the Holy Spirit. We're saying, all right, all right, God, teach me. Is it, put your conviction on me. Show me, lead me. Is this, is this right? And then we're also, because we know that people, if you just do that alone, you can get off a little bit and say, well, God told me this, and so this is it. And then we get people just kind of like, over here in the corner, but we're called to do that within community. So we've got like-minded believers around us who are processing these things with, and then we talked a little bit about like addressing some of those things. 
right? When we um, uh, addressing some of those hurts or unrighteousness in people's life, how do, how do we go about addressing those? So let's just say we've walked through that and now we're to a place where I've been hurt. I've been hurt by somebody. What do we do now? What do we do, right? Because inevitably, I can promise you this, even if it's just me and you, you're probably gonna get hurt and it's probably gonna be my fault. I, like I mess up. I step on toes sometimes. I say things the wrong way. I misunderstand things the wrong way. I, that's how it goes. And it's probably gonna happen with the people around you. So as we're talking about building this into a family-like atmosphere, a godly, biblical, family-like atmosphere, what do we do with that? And obviously outside of the church, we're gonna get hurt too. And so what do we do when we are hurt by people? And so I felt the Lord leading me. um, And you know, sometimes there's the Lord leading you like saying specific things. And then there's sometimes where the Lord leads you and he like takes you through certain situations. And so when I give you the title here this morning, you're gonna be like, oh, oh bro, I'm sorry. So we're talking about cultivating a forgiving heart. Write it down. Cultivating a forgiving heart. So the Lord's been bringing up some things in my life where I've had to walk through some forgiveness. And um, I think it's something that is applicable for many of us. And so I, I, want, to, I want to engage this. So would you just go here? Um, well, you can turn to Matthew 18 in your Bibles. We'll get there in a sec, but I want to have some self-evaluating questions. And I just want you to ponder these for a moment. The first is this, what were some of the hardest things that you've had to forgive others for? This might cause a little bit of pain, but let's, let's think about it. What were some of the hardest things that I've had to forgive someone for? What were some of the easiest things that I've forgiven someone for? or had to forgive someone for? Here's a, here's a good one. What were some of the most horrific things that I've been forgiven for? Oh, I heard some, oh, ooh. Yeah, there are, there are some of those. What are some of the most horrific things that I've been forgiven for? And here's another one that I want us to sit with this morning. Where have I not forgiven people? Where have I chosen to not walk in forgiveness towards people? Lord, continue to shape us as we, as we get into your word. Holy Spirit, teach. Holy Spirit, teach. Matthew chapter 18, starting, um, well, I think eventually we'll, we'll get to verse 21. But just to lay the context for you a little bit, Matthew starts talking, um, uh, or Jesus starts talking in Matthew 18, rather, about the humility required to enter into the kingdom of God. What is that humility like? It's like a, it's like a child, like a child. And think about, think about that humility, what humility is like as a child. You, I think about like a, a newborn babe, right? A little, a little baby, what do they need? What does that humility look like? Everything, they've got a few things that they can do. The blood can circulate through their bodies, right? They're really good at this. Ah! They're really good at screaming. But they need, they need an embrace. They need some skin-to-skin contact. They need some food. They need clothing. They need shelter. They, they need it. 
right? They, they need it. And so when I think of like childlike faith and this humility that's required to enter into the kingdom, this is a whole perspective that I put on and saying, I need God for every single little thing. I think this is part of the reason why I push back so much on a lot of religious constructs and a lot of religious rules that say you have to do things this specific way. That means when I, when I enter in to minister in a situation, it has to be this specific way because then you walk in and you've got it all figured out and you're not dependent upon God, but you're dependent upon yourself and your knowledge. Right? So we want to be in this place of continually bringing it to God. God, what do you want to do here in this situation? What do you want to do? How do you, how do you want to do it? I'm finding that a lot as, as I minister to other people. It's not just about what he wants to do, but how he wants to do it in a specific life, in a specific moment, in a specific atmosphere. Childlike humility. And then in Matthew uh, 6 or 18, verse 6, Jesus discusses the seriousness of personal sin, uh, of causing someone else to sin, rather. And so you've got this mindset of humility walking before. I'm like a little baby. I need everything from you, God. I'm dependent upon you, God. And then there's this importance of not causing somebody else to sin. In verses 10 through 14, Jesus then begins to talk about the Father's heart for the lost. Um, and it's from this verse that we get the song, uh, Reckless Love. And from a, uh, from a New Testament perspective, we're like, oh yeah. Like it, it, and I, I agree with both perspectives. What I will say though, is that I tend to be like a moderation person. And so where one side is presented, I'll often side bring in, bring in the other side to help us have like a full perspective. Um, someone said this to me this week, Ben, you're a big picture guy. All, you're just constantly looking at the big picture. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I can, I can see that, right? And so from a New Testament perspective, we're like, God is always here. And so when he leaves the 99, he actually isn't leaving them to go after the one. But the heart of the scripture is from a shepherd perspective of Old Testament, a shepherd who would leave the 99 to go after the one. And so the heart, is, the heart of this scripture is more after this recognition that you're worth it. You are worth it. And someone needs to hear that this morning, that you are worth God's pursuit. He's coming after you. He wants to be in relationship with you. You're worth it. You're worth it. And so this, this three part aspect of what Jesus is saying here. You've got humility, childlike faith, childlike dependency, and then you've got um, the awareness of not causing the people around you to sin, and then the heart to include and be a part of this, this body. You can kind of see this theme building here within these scriptures. And so let's jump in to Matthew uh, 18, verse 21. It says, then Peter came up and said to Jesus, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? As many as seven times? And Peter in this point is more than likely thinking, I've just overdone it. I've just, because common teaching was about three times. You don't go to four. You don't, don't go to four, three times. That's about how many times you would forgive. And so Peter's like, <laughs> check me out, seven, seven times? How about that? How about that? Jesus said to him, 
I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servant, right? So there's a debt that's being owed. And when he began to settle this debt, one was brought to the king who owed him 10,000 talents. That's a lot of talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and his children and all that he had and the payment would be made. Think about how much this actually is. That's a lot of, that's a lot of money that, that this guy owed. Verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. And when that same servant went out, he found out that his fellow servant who owed him a hundred denarii and he was seizing him and he began to choke him out saying, pay me what you owe me. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. When his fellow servant saw what had taken place, they were greatly distressed and they went and they reported it to their master, all that had taken place. Then his master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all of that debt because you pleaded with me. And should not you have had that mercy on your fellow servant as I had mercy on you? Shouldn't you have represented what I presented to you? And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. From your heart. So I wanna, I wanna bring up some points about this passage, about what Jesus taught about forgiveness. The first thing that Jesus is teaching about through this passage is that forgiveness can be progressive. Forgiveness can be progressive. I don't know, as I think about some of the things that have hurt me the most, it's not just a, a one-time I forgive you type of thing, as sometimes we feel like it should be. It's more of a, like every day, like for a week, I forgive, I forgive, I forgive. It's more like every hour. It's more like every time that thought comes up. Every time that thought comes into your head of how that person wronged you, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. It's a slow, slow progress. It, it's, not about, it's not about the number. I think sometimes um, when I get to count, I can count, okay? Don't, don't hear me wrong. I can, I can count. But when I count and like I'm doing stuff, and so if it's like a procedure, I'm counting one and then doing a whole bunch of stuff, and then this is the second time, okay. By the time I get to about five, I'm like, I, how, many, how many times was that? And that's kind of the point of, of this because it's not about the numbers. It's about just continuing to forgive and continuing to choose this, this lifestyle. Dr. Martin Luther King once said, forgiveness is not an occasional act, but a permanent attitude. 
a continual attitude. So forgiveness is progressive. Forgiveness is also costly. I talked about how much that cost to uh, how many talents that was. And just to give you some perspective, Herod, King Herod, during that time, he made about 900 denarii annually. And so we're thinking about like how long it would take a servant to make up that, that money. How long would it take him? I think it says, uh, my study says like 18 years. It's about 18 years of wages, right? That costs a lot to, to let that go. To absorb that cost, it costs a lot. And oftentimes forgiveness is, is like that. It, it costs us a lot. There's a deep cost to it. Forgiveness is costly, but unforgiveness is more costly. Verse 35, Jesus says that if we don't forgive others from our heart, then we will not be forgiven. See, forgiven people forgive people. Forgiven people forgive people. If we don't have a forgiving heart, it's an indication that we may not have a forgiven heart. Yeah. Let's be those who forgive. So, all right, there's the teaching part. Now let's get practical. Okay, the, you all know this is where I like to go. Let's get to this practical. How do I walk this out? What are we actually talking about? What does this actually look like? What is forgiveness? Okay, I like to understand forgiveness um, by looking at the opposite side. What is unforgiveness? And I feel like in the movies, at least, I could probably say this in my own life, unforgiveness looks like this. I'm gonna make you pay for this. I'm going to make you pay for this, right? You will pay. This, this for me is what unforgiveness looks like. So forgiveness then on the other side of that would be to cancel a debt. Something now where someone like owes you something, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to cancel that debt. It's just like this king canceling that servant's debt, right? I'm not going to make you pay me back for what you, what you owe me. Forgiveness also means that you choose to absorb the cost of another's offense or sin. Here's a practical way. I was really just sitting with the Lord. I'm like, help me. Honestly, when I sat down to write this this week, I was like, all right, God, how do I even define forgiveness? I just, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Here's what ultimately I came up with through the scriptural lens. It's choosing to see people the way that God the Father sees them in Jesus. So not seeing them through the lens of their actions, but instead seeing them through the lens of Jesus' actions. Forgiveness. I came across this really, really helpful um, uh, definition here. It was by a guy named Thomas Watson um, in the book, Body of Divinity. The question is, when do we forgive others? What does it look like when we forgive others? And I love this definition. I think we may have it in the slides there. Um, It says, when we strive against all thoughts of revenge, when we will not do our enemies mischief, but wish them well, when we grieve at their calamities, when we pray for them, when we seek reconciliation with them and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. That's hefty. 
I think the only reason I used that word is because you said hefty early, earlier. Hefty, hefty, hefty. Let me read it again, sorry. When we strive against all thoughts of revenge, that just take this into like action right now. And where am I thinking about like revenge towards someone else? When we will not do our enemies mischief, but when we wish them well, when we grieve at their calamities, when we pray for them, when we seek reconciliation for them and show ourselves ready on all occasions to relieve them. And I think there's such biblical depth to each one of these as we would talk about like what Jesus is saying, forgiving from the heart, what does that actually look like? I think these get to the heart of of forgiveness. The first is resisting thoughts of revenge. Romans 12, 19 says, never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will not repay, says the Lord. Resist thoughts of revenge. Don't seek to do them mischief. 1 Thessalonians uh, 5.15. See that no one repays another with evil for evil. Don't seek to do them mischief. Wish them well. Luke 6.28. Bless those who curse you. Grieve at their calamities. Proverbs 24.17. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. Pray for them. Matthew 5.44, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Seek reconciliation with them. Romans 12.18. If possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So as far as it is dependent upon you, whatever, uh, what responsibility responsibility that you have, seek Seek to do right within that relationship. Do you have relationships where you haven't sought to make it right? Be always willing to come to their relief. Exodus 23, 4, if you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey wandering away, you shall surely return to him, return it to him. Yeah. So this is what forgiveness looks like. And so let's, let's make this practical. Let's make this uh, something even more, more tangible. What do I do? So let's actually step into this place of, in thinking about when I was wronged, when someone does wrong towards me, when I'm feeling offense or pain from somebody else, how do I, how do I interact with it? What do, I, what do I do with it? Here's the first thing what I would like to encourage us to do is make it a vertical issue. First and foremost, you've got vertical issues between me and God, and you've got horizontal issues between us and other people. Make it first a vertical issue, right? Because my goal in this life, my purpose from, for being created is to glorify God with everything that I have, yes? He's glorified, he is glorified when I submit to his ways, when I look more and more like Jesus. So what does Jesus look like in terms of this conversation, in terms of forgiveness? Let me, let me read a couple scriptures here. Ephesians 1, 7 through 10. You guys wanna look like Jesus? Okay, Ephesians 1, 7. 
In him, we have redemption through his blood and the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he has set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things to him things in heaven and things on earth. We have forgiveness of our trespasses. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness, right? This is what Jesus has done and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption and the forgiveness of sins. 1 John 1, 9 through 10. If we confess our sins, he is, he is faithful. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say if we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word, and the word is not in us. So forgiveness starts here. I, my role, my purpose is to glorify God. I glorify God I glorify him when I choose to look more and more like him and to look like Jesus. This is what Jesus, this is what Jesus looked like. So when you choose not to forgive, I'm sure we've all done that. When you choose not to forgive, you choose not to look like Jesus. When you choose not to forgive, you choose not to take every thought captive and obey Christ. When you choose not to forgive, you choose to be conformed to this world and you choose not to renew your mind. When you choose not to forgive, you're making the choice not to be transformed. So forgiveness, first and foremost, though it may be prompted by an interaction with the other person, first and foremost, it's an issue between God and me. Right? Though it's prompted by external situations, it's first and foremost an invitation to worship God rather than worship a, a situation or a learned reaction right? to be conformed to the image of this world. Which am I going to choose? Not only is forgiving disobedience to God, but we know that disobedience to God also bears consequences. Right? Our actions have consequences. And so think about this, this consequence. Hebrews 12, 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. In your interactions, in your relationships, see to it that the grace that you've received from God, it doesn't stop there. I don't want to stop being a representer of the grace of God towards others. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God so that no root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble and by it, many become defiled. Unforgiveness gives way to bitterness. Write that down. Unforgiveness gives way to bitterness. Bitterness becomes like an uncontrollable anger and a rage that spews hatred all around you. 
So the same way that you can be a person who walks in the peace of God and you can walk into uh, the workplace, you can walk into the grocery store, you can walk into the school place uh, and, and you can carry the peace of God into any situation, you can also be a carrier of bitterness and hatred and you can bring that. I experienced that, I heard about that this week where someone was clearly had these roots of bitterness in their life and they were driving and they like started yelling and (laughs) sound effects, right? All over. Bitterness, anger and rage and hatred, this actually leads to disunity. It, It leads to people falling apart. Do you want to know why there's so many denominations? Because there's this breaking apart and there's no conversations. I, I want to be a Baptist. I want to be an Anabaptist. I want to be the first Baptist of, I want to be the second. I'll, you know, I guess I'll take third. I, who's on third? I, who knows? They, they just keep, they just keep splitting. And don't think for a second that we've passed this. Don't think for, in fact, these days right here, what, are, what year are we in now? Is it 2021? Okay, these days in 2021, what's the, the big culture that's on the rise right now? It starts with a C, ends with an Ansel. And we, we ain't talking about Hansel and Gretel, right? There's a cancel culture. And so what that means is now there's not just two people splitting, but now there's two people or groups splitting in half and then pretending the other one doesn't exist at all. And so what that does is we're actually saying, now I'm just not going to deal with anything. I can just pretend they never existed and they don't exist. See ya. What does that do? What does that do when we live lives where we're hurt by another person, now we're caused disunity, right? Now, now there's a split. What, what happens there? Well, this continues to build up in bitterness. And then these roots of bitterness set in. And then we... All over. Yeah, that was not your like your theme song coming in. Sorry. <laughs> Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Yeah. So think about the the ramifications of this though. Like and how deep the roots of bitterness truly can go. They can go so deep that they become your filter on everything that you see. Now, the roots become your eyeglasses, and now you're seeing everything through the roots of bitterness. And think about what happens in a church. Think about what happens in a neighborhood. Think about what happens in a family. We see this. It's, it's not hard to see, right? We see it all, the, all around us. How do we solve it? Because we're talking about how do, we, how do we deal with this with people, as I want this to be a close-knit family, and we're inviting people into this close-knit family, what do we do? We walk in forgiveness. Again, we choose this practical thought. God, here it is. When someone wrongs us, here it is, practically. God, I am forgiven. By the blood of Jesus Christ, I am forgiven. Therefore, I choose to use your eyes to look at them. Here's what that's gonna look like. I'm going to resist revenge. I'm going to not return evil for evil. I'm going to wish them well. I'm going to grieve when something bad happens to them. 
I'm going to be praying for their welfare. I'm going to be seeking reconciliation. As far as it depends on me, I'm going to seek to do this right. And I'm going to come to their aid in distress. This is challenging. This goes against so much of just our natural feelings, right? But we're called to be people of God. We're called to look like Jesus. So here's that practical question. Am I seeing this person the way that the father would see them in Jesus? The flesh says that I want to see this person because of what they've done. God the father says, I see this person through what Jesus did. Here's the real question. When I look at someone who's done me wrong, the question that I ask is, or the question that I'm preaching to myself in this moment to be asking, let's be truthful, is how do I know that this person has not, in this very second, just had an encounter with Jesus? Right? How do I, how do I know? How do I know? I just think about my own personal story. Worship team, if you guys could come for a time of, of response. But I, I, uh, I think about my own personal story and how it illustrates this of at one moment, one day I was lying, I was stealing, I was using drugs, I was aiming guns at people's heads and I had this, uh, uh, and I got arrested and I go to jail. So this is what my family saw me as. And before they knew it on the next time they saw me, I, was, I had this encounter with Jesus. And so I was forgiven of all of that stuff by the, by the next time I saw him. And so with that, with that sort of picture, how do you know that the person that has wronged you has not had that same type of encounter? It, I mean, you don't have to be able to see it right here and now. It's just, right? What if that happened right then and there? And so for me to act like that wasn't, that wasn't the case, uh, we, we don't know. So let's, let's act in grace. Now, for me, this was a hard place to, to get to, is a hard place to get to, because I don't want to discount the need for justice. And so for some of us thinking like, what about the justice part of that? Does that just mean we allow bad things to continue to go on without doing anything? No, 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 no. No, that's not what that means. And we'll get into that um, in, in an upcoming message. But the focus this morning, the heart of the Father for this morning is, is, is this true of us? Are we those who walk in this type of, of forgiveness? I bet for most of us, we could dig deep and be able to find places where, oh man, I don't walk in that. That's a radical forgiveness. The definition that we just gave, that, that is a radical definition of forgiveness. Yet we're called to be radical followers of Jesus. And so I just want to take some time um, and, and seek God. I think sometimes we get to a place where we just get stuck. Um, sometimes we get to a place where we just give up. I'm, I, no, I'm not going to forgive. And that's where I've asked the Lord to bring softness this morning because that, that is hardened. And so to say, I'm going to choose God's way over how I've been living and how I've been treat, treating this, this instance, this, um, this occasion, 
for years or however long it's been. God, bring a softness there. We want to look more and more like you. We want to be conformed into the image of Jesus. We want to be transformed. But we know that requires the renewal of our mind. And so here it is. If you're having that prompting this morning, that, wow, this is, that's not how I'm living. That's not how I'm viewing this person. I'm not how, that's not how I'm viewing the situation. Then let's walk, let's walk through that. I want um, prayer teams also to be available just to be able to, to pray with you during this time. But um, I've, I've structured in about an extra 10 minutes-ish so that we have a time to respond. And so um, I promise to, to let you know when normal church time is up, just to honor your time. But I've intentionally structured this time so that we could just sit, stand, and just be and allow the Lord to minister um, in, in forgiveness. I think we've got some steps to take. And so, uh, Father, would you, would you do that? Would you show us where we need to take steps of forgiveness? Where we've become hardened, I pray a softness now. Yeah, we want to see people the way that you see them. Hey, thanks again for joining us. If you have been blessed by Rise Church, be sure to follow us and share it on your social media. You can subscribe to a podcast. And if you haven't had a chance to give yet, you can do so at risechurchid.org or send a text message with a cash amount to the number 84321. And remember that the mission field is all around you. So go in the power of Jesus and bring that transformation for his glory.